to episode number 143 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm Lewis. Thank you for listening and sharing my puppet's podcast. Support for this episode is Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Avoid single-use products whenever possible and remember to bring your own reusable bags with you while shopping also when hungry for breakfast or lunch think of the deli at jackson hole marketplace using fresh baked bread and boar's head meat to build certain yum Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host, and sitting right here is my sidekick, Lewis, my seven-year-old son. Before I begin this week's episode, I want to thank you, Lewis, for giving us that pre-roll into the show. Remember to get out there and share this podcast with all of your friends and family. Sharing is caring, and let's share stories, because we all have a story to share and to tell. And that's what I do here at the Jackson Hole Connection is I'm sharing stories, which will help us all learn and grow from each other because we can all learn so much when we have conversations with intent. And today my guest is Allie Cohane. She is the owner of five well-recognized and respected businesses right here in the Valley. Allie and her husband, Kevin, started the first business 10 years ago and were the only employees. They slept in the upstairs of the bakery. And today, they have five businesses and employ about 150 people. If you have a taste for delicious pastries and well-made bread, I mean really well-made artisan bread, you've most likely enjoyed the quality that Allie and her crew produce 365 days a year. Think about how much you work each day, each week, and each month. Now, think about what Allie and her crew do. They work every day of the year. Amazing, amazing. Allie will share with us today what her road has been like over the past 10 years in building a successful business and businesses and how they are giving back this year to the community to celebrate their 10 year anniversary. Allie, thank you for joining me here today at the Jackson Hole Connection. Wonderful to see you today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Allie, I like to start all the interviews with people sharing their story of how they landed in Jackson Hole or, or their connection to Jackson Hole. So considering you are a resident of this place that we call home, could you let's start off with sharing how you landed here? How did you become a Jackson Hole resident? Sure. Yeah. Well, I grew up in Chicago, very far from the mountains, but would always come out here for, for ski vacations, not Jackson necessarily, but just to the beautiful, beautiful mountains. And, uh, when I went to college at Colorado college, I, I fell in love with the West. And so after graduating, I was going to take some time before I went back to school and me and a few girlfriends just said, Hey, we've kind of skied everywhere in Colorado. Let's Let's head elsewhere. So we picked Jackson on a whim, lucky me, and mm. 
unfortunately for my mom and dad back in Chicago, I never left. You never left from the time that you visited here the well, first time after no, college? I, no, I mean, as in moved back home, they, they, they tried really hard to get me back to the Midwest, but this place is too incredible. So um, we moved, we went to France and lived in Paris and I went back to Chicago to go back to school. But every time, no matter what the plan was or, you know, how undetermined uh, our end point was, we ended up back here. Cool. And what yeah. did you do in, in France? Um, that was really fun. I was accompanying my then boyfriend, Kevin, who's now my husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was going to culinary school at the Cordon Bleu and I had kind of had it with, um, service industry jobs at the time and needed a break. And so I saved a bunch of money and just went with him and literally spent every day just walking for eight hours, exploring the city, eating lots of baguettes and drinking lots of good wine, but it was kind of an incredible year. Fantastic. I love yeah. it. So now how many years have you been living here in Jackson? Uh, I moved here in 2004. So we're looking at like 17 years about. Sounds about right. Yeah. And when you moved here in 2004, you started doing what? Um, I started as a, as a server. I was, uh -huh. I waited tables for ever since I've been actually, I've been in the service industry since I was 13 and could get my first job. And so that was easiest for me. I could work at night, ski during the day, have the fun I wanted to have. So I, I you know, I worked, I started actually at the blue lion and that's where I met Kevin, my husband, he was a line cook there and I was a server. So it was pretty fortuitous. That's awesome. Yeah. I uh, got to love some rack of lamb from the blue lion. <laughs> right. Classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very classic. To this day, my husband cannot eat rosemary, but <laughs> <laughs> when you eat it every night, it becomes something different, but yes, totally. It's a good one. That is hilarious. And now you have several businesses here mm -hmm. in, in Jackson hole. Um, how many businesses do you have now? Um, we, including the wholesale bakery, which is a separate entity from everything we have, uh, five. Okay. Yeah. And what was the first one that you started? We and when started, did you start that? Yeah, we started um, 10 years ago. Um, in 2011, we started the Wholesale Bakery uh, as a way to sort of get our foot in the door and see what the community thought of artisanal breads and, and handmade binoiserie and things like that. And uh, it grew from there. And the name that you came up with is... <laughs> <laughs> Persephone. Do okay. you some for the first few years? It was Persephone, but I think we have been around long enough that people know how to pronounce it, which is great. Where did the name Persephone come from? Um, you know, it was when we were living in Chicago, knowing we were going to come back and, and start a bakery, my husband was, you know, he's a reader. And so was uh, reading a book about the history of bread from, you know, the start of man, I guess. And, uh, Persephone was brought up. Um, her story is, you know, interesting. Everybody kind of knows her as the goddess of the underworld. But in the details of her story, despite the fact that she ate the pomegranate and Hades kept her down there in the underworld, she was allowed to go visit. Zeus allowed her to go visit her mom up on Earth uh, once a year. And so that actually metaphorically was the, you know, uh, her returning to the earth was spring and the growth of grain coming up. Um, and so often she's holding sheaths of grain in, in ancient depictions. So mm. since we started out with bread and we liked that connection and thought it was a pretty name, we decided to go for it. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. 
And so you started off with a wholesale bakery and doing artisan breads, producing, creating artisan artisan breads here. And how did you realize that this community had an appetite for what you were uh, wanted to create? Yeah, that's a good good question. I think perhaps it might have been a little bit more selfish from the beginning. I I didn't know if the community had an appetite for it. I just knew that I wanted it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was missing. I like I said, I had lived in in a few other places um in between my moving to Jackson and ending up there. And um, you know, love great food, beautiful bakeries, and and I really felt like Hey, there, you know, there's people doing good things here, but I think we can elevate what's happening here. So it was, it was mostly selfish. Well, I can tell you before I realized that I was, could not eat gluten or should not eat gluten. Oh no. um, (laughs) (laughs) That uh, I was very happy when you guys started because there's nothing that compares to a freshly baked baguette or other type of artisan bread. Um, It is just heaven. Yes. I think it is as close to heaven as you will ever get. And just put a little bit of butter on that. And that's all you need. Oh my gosh. Coming from France, literally every single day around five o'clock when I would finish my walk, I would go to my favorite bakery, pick up a baguette, eat it on the way home before dinner. I think there was this funny bread bag that had the average daily consumption of a French person, you know, it was like two and a half baguettes or something. Whereas here in America, everybody was, you know, a little bit, when we opened up, there was, there was a little issue with, with um, people, I think discovering they were maybe celiac and things like that. And so there was kind of an aversion to, to gluten. Um, and I was just like, wait, what? Like you should be eating multiples of these every single day. They're so good. Mm-hmm. I, I wish. And yes, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. And my, my wife and kids love what comes out of um, your shops and growing up, I went to high school in New Orleans and okay. down there you have French bread is extremely popular and the right. New Orleans French bread is, is a particular style. It's probably certainly not what you get from the baguette, but we would buy a loaf at the grocery store and it had just come out of the oven. And it would not make it home. Right, right. We would make it to the cash register at the grocery (laughs) store and half of it was gone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's like those memories of like a warm croissant out of the oven. It was like, oh, my God, how do I get this? Not a day old from a microwave, but, you know, something fresh out of the oven is totally incomparable. It's, It's the best. Oh, man. When I in New Orleans, I worked at the Intercontinental Hotel and they had a true pastry chef at that time. And every day they, he was from France as well. And he would make fresh croissants. And when I would go in the afternoon, I, I would be allowed to have a croissant and it it was, it was heaven for sure. Right. It's memories. It's great. (laughs) Yes. And so now that you guys, you and your husband have five businesses, raising a daughter in Jackson hole, what is life like for you guys? You just just opened up two new restaurants in the past year, didn't you? Um, past two years, yeah. So we opened up um, Persephone on the West Bank in the in the Aspens. Mm-hmm. Um, this we're we're heading towards our second year um, in a few months here, and then we opened up Colette, our sort of fine dining dinner restaurant, um, just last August. So it's been less than a year. So yeah, it's been it's been a crazy crazy 
period of time for us. It was nonstop for sure. I think we're going to take a little break here and assess what we have and enjoy what we have and, and uh, yeah, maybe not build something in the next year. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good to just take a step back for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and how widely, as far as outside of the Valley, are your breads distributed on the wholesale level? You know, our breads actually, because they are um, fresh artisanal breads, hearth baked, you know, really great, crusty um, outsides, uh, they really are good for a couple days. Um, so it makes it hard and we don't use preservatives. Everything's natural. Um, so it makes it hard. It's not necessarily really a, a shippable product. And so we stopped the wholesale distribution of those products a little while ago. We do, we sell at local grocery stores. We sell to some restaurants here. Mostly now we sell to ourselves. We've um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. We've, we've reached capacity with our, with the little bakery that we thought we were going to have and, and started with has outgrown its footprint. And uh, so we're sort of maxed. So we've focused more on um, shelf stable things like our granolas and cookies and things like that, that we actually sell across the country now. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. And how do you sell those across the country? you know, through our website, we're on a wholesale website called fair people reach out to us. Um, we actually hired a full-time sales manager who does our website and wholesale sales and, uh, it's going really well. It's, it's been kind of a big year for that. So I'm interested to know what is your team like now compared to when you started 10 years ago? Oh my gosh. 10 years ago, it was literally me and my husband. My husband was the baker. I had background in art. So I did the graphic design and things like that. And I washed dishes and actually was the delivery driver, I think for like the first eight months. But, um, so it was literally the two of us, uh, sometimes sleeping on a blow up mattress on the second floor of our bakery, because oh, when man. you have to be there at three in the morning and you're working until 11 at night, there's no reason to go home. So it was, it was challenging. I mean, I don't look back at those days necessarily fondly, but, but, you know, at the same time it had to get done. Well, that's how you got to <laughs> where you are now, where, how yeah. you arrived. Um, yeah. Yeah. It certainly was not an overnight success, but Yeah. And, and as you were, as you back to your question, you know, so it started out with the two of us, we slowly hired bakers and, um, delivery people and got to sort of step away and look at how we wanted to grow the business. And, and so now, I mean, looking at all the companies combined, I think, you know, we're at like 150 employees and have a nice management structure and wonderful people that help us keep this going. So it's, yeah, it's tremendous. I never dreamed that this was what our little wholesale bakery would become. And who knows what it'll be in another five years or 10 years. I know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, the possibilities are endless. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And with you guys where you are now in, in your business, what are some of the things that you do in your business to teach your staff as far as how what your business philosophy is? Because I'm going to take a leap of faith. You're going for a, a level of quality that's that's high, a high level of quality. Mm -hmm. And you're baking a product that is very clean and very limited in ingredients. Mm -hmm. And so 
how do you guys teach that? And how do you keep that philosophy going when you guys are developing new products? Yeah. Um, the start of the bakery, you know, is so Jackson is so integral to the, the story. Um, the connection to this place is, is the inspiration for why I wanted to do it. And I think sometimes people maybe are confused because I, you know, didn't open up a cowboy themed coffee shop, but you know, being an aesthetically driven person and being in one of the most beautiful places in the world, I wanted to bring that, that really natural, beautiful essence to what we were doing with pastry and with bread. And so as we develop new products now, we're, we're actually looking to do a new line of cookies. We're looking to the mountains here. What can we do? You know, aside from Huckleberry, which is fabulous, like how do we incorporate spruce tips? How do, how do we really capture the flavors of the mountains? Um, and that's been a driving force for Ben, our exec chef at Colette, really very much connected to place and don't necessarily want to say farm to table, but pretty much trying to use only local uh, purveyors and growers and farmers to create essentially an entire experience that is really connected to Jackson and to the mountains, to the West. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. And what is it like to have a staff that is at work at three o'clock in the morning? Oh God. Begin baking. (laughs) I think Kevin still wakes up every single day at 3 a.m., even though it's been years since he was on a bread baking shift. Um, (laughs) You know, we have Slack on uh, 24 hours a day. It never stops. And that's okay. Uh, That's part of the business. Um, You know, operating 365 days a year. That's why when people say they want to open a bakery, I, I say think long and hard about it. You know, these starters that you have to keep alive that are babies and feed every day, no matter if it's Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, and um, you know, think, think about that commitment because it is, it is pretty tremendous. Yeah. Those bread starters, like you just said, babies, they never... Yeah. They never grow out of being in the infant no, stage. <laughs> totally. They need to be cared for and loved and fed. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. And you and Kevin are definitely the perfect people to do this. And it takes it takes a passion for sure. And, and you guys certainly have it. Totally. We couldn't do it if we didn't love it. It just wouldn't be worth it. <laughs> I love it. Um, Allie, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from one of our sponsors, and then we are going to be right back. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling would like to remind you to bring your reusable bags with you whenever you go shopping for groceries, candy, treats, toys, shirts, paintings, or whatever around town. Reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. Remember to wash those bags frequently to keep germs away and off your food. We've already helped remove millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream, and you can help improve that wherever you travel as well by remembering those reusable bags. Food waste composting, in addition to yard waste composting, is available at the trash transfer station facilities. Call 307-7678 for up-to-date hours of operation. Allie, welcome back. We were just talking about the passion that's needed to start a bakery, and if somebody were to be thinking about starting a bakery, they need to think about really what is involved with that. It's quite a commitment for sure. Why don't you give us a little rundown as far as the timeline of your businesses that you started and how these different concepts came about? 
from one to the other. So you've already talked about the wholesale bakery business, the bread. And um, so what was the next one and how long was that before, after you started the wholesale side of things? Yeah, the next one was, uh, uh, I should know, but two or three years later, I'm trying to remember. It was uh, our downtown location, our Broadway uh, little shop cafe location. Um, after you know doing a couple of years of the farmers markets, which were fabulous, I kind of got to know the community and talk to people about what we were doing and get people excited. Um, a space came available that really seemed like perfect for what we wanted to do: small, approachable, and with a lot of charm. And so. I said, hey, Kev, you're busy at the bakery doing your thing. You know, I spent my life in in the service industry and hospitality, and I want a shop that I want to go and sit down and have a cup of coffee at, and so I'm going to build it. And so uh, that was the first Persephone, and and we, we were lucky and were successful from the start. And then after that, maybe year, I don't have a timeline in front of me, so forgive me if I'm sort of getting these a little bit wrong, but it was about... A year and a half, two years later that we opened up Picnic. Again, just, you know, this town, real estate is really difficult. Opportunities come up and, you know, whether you're fully ready for it or not, you got to embrace it. And I happened to be on a chairlift with Mark Barron and he and his amazing wife, Ruth Ann, who owns Snake River Roasters, um, were deciding to move on from their coffee shop on Maple Way. And so... Uh, things came together and we decided to open up Picnic. And Picnic um, has changed a lot since uh, its conception. We originally wanted to focus a little bit more on um, American style pastries and and things like that. But the town spoke. They wanted more of what we were doing at Persephone. So now we kind of carry the same lines there. It's just an extension with a different menu. And that was really great. That's really fun. It's a local spot. I mean, you know, we quickly outgrew downtown and in the summer times, you know, locals couldn't get in, they couldn't get their pastry, they were frustrated and, and communicating that to me. And so I thought, hey, this spot is out of the way. Let's let's do this for, you know, the local community. And, and that's really what it's stayed, which is pretty fabulous. Um, few people, you know, go off the beaten path to get a sandwich there. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's Jacksonites, which is awesome. Um, and then I think I told myself I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> but the <laughs> but the the West Bank um, space. Let's see, three years. Let's see, three years later, the what? Two and a half years later, the West Bank space became available. Um, we were approached by the the owners of that um, space, and they had for years been in touch with us and interested in having a Persephone out there. And I actually live pretty much across the street from that one. And I myself didn't want to have to go into town all the time to get a cup of coffee. So I thought, okay, I'll do it one more time. And so we opened up the West Bank. Um, and that's been fantastic. Uh, I think, especially in the summertime, it's it's kind of a great little reprieve from the onslaught of tourists downtown. You kind of can have a a beautiful breakfast and not necessarily have to worry about the lines of people. You know, you see the people, you know, and it's still kind of a wonderful community experience. And at simultaneously, while we were building the West bank business, we were threatened with losing our downtown business. Um, the block was going to be sold to be developed as a hotel. And uh, we were rushing to find another place, another home. Um, and, came across the Sweetwater cabin um, 
and thought, hey, we can make that work. That would be a, a fabulous place if Persephone has to move. We'll move over there. Um, it turns out the community is incredible and saved the block um, after a really, you know, concerted, difficult, long effort. I mean, it was incredible that people came together, the land trust, our community, people donating $5, you know, who just loved coming and having a cup of coffee there. They, they did it. And so we ended up with a lease at uh, the Sweetwater Cabin and thought, okay, what do we do that we haven't done? Um, let's take these same philosophies and uh, you know, elevate even more, create a fine dining experience. And that was definitely due to the partnership with, with Ben Westenberg, who's one of the most passionate chefs I've met. And uh, he's really honed in the vision for us and helped us build something beautiful there. And so that brings us to now, pretty much. Yeah, that's all five. Good work. Yeah. I would love for you to share, because you just brought up about Save the Block. You were about to lose mm -hmm. your lease. And two of your businesses, Persephone, the first one on Broadway, is in a historic building, mm -hmm. isn't it? And yes. then Colette um, is in a historic building as well. Right. It, I, I love the history of those locations. Mm -hmm. Could you share with us right now and start with the, the location on Broadway, that history of that building in that location? I should be able to share that with you, but I probably I know way more about the history of the co-cabin than I do the Persephone building. To be honest, I mean, thankfully, it was deemed historic. I don't think anybody looked at it that way you know, until it was threatened with being taken down. I, I, you know, for me, I remember the businesses since I've been there and I know it was somebody's home and it was originally not at that location. It was moved onto Broadway, but I, sh I should know more. That is a, a good question. And up to this point, I've sort of just seen it as, oh God, it's old pipes and rusty things I have to deal with, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it really is special. And I think it, that the whole character of that block is so critical to the downtown. So it was, you know, so important and so amazing that the community saved it. Whereas the, the co-cabin, um, my landlords, John and Shelley Holland were really the historic preservation behind that whole project. They were incredible. That was going to be sold and developed most likely as well. But John just saw the beauty and the importance of the old, it's actually the old blacksmith's, um, home. Uh, his shop, I believe was King Sushi and that was his home. Um, it's actually been home to many people. It's so fun being inside the restaurant and having people come in and say, Oh my God, I used to live here 48 years ago. So it's passed hands many times, but, um, to keep that and to painstakingly, what he did was take it log by log down and rebuild it. Um, was such an incredible thing to do for this community. And so we love our home there. It is, it is incredible. Yeah. It, it, and it turned out beautiful. Absolutely Thanks. beautiful. Well, I worked and, with some awesome people. And uh, going back to save the block, um, yeah. very historic area over there. And, and again, I'm thrilled that our, how our community came together to save that area because it, it's part of I think um, what makes this community so special is you do see the new, but next to the new, you see the old and mm -hmm. it's being preserved into perpetuity to where we have, it, it's not necessarily open space, but it's just this historic feel that, and, and you have an idea of what the community was like many decades ago. Mm -hmm. and, and that's yeah, so absolutely. important. 
Yeah. I mean, being next to the Genevieve cabin, which is such a cool historical landmark. It's really fantastic. Yeah. And you guys will, and it's going to have the historical society's new home will be, you'll be sandwiched in between the Genevieve cabin and the historical society's new home. Correct. Right. So on the other side of the park, um, we're super excited to have them on the block as well. It's going to be definitely a great spot for locals to relax enjoy some beautiful space, you know, know the history and be amongst the history of Jackson. Yeah. Now, what was the past year when everybody was locked down in uh, COVID world and being in the food industry? Um, what was that like for, for you guys as business owners? And uh, yeah, it was terrifying. It was, it was hard. It was, confusing for sure. I mean, we are definitely not alone in that. We are, we're also very fortunate that we were in this community. Um, you know, when we had to close all of our shops, we, we decided to go to takeout. It was amazing how busy we were and how much people, <laughs> whether or not maybe they wanted two lattes a day, were coming to get two lattes a day just to support us. People who were buying thousands of dollars of gift cards, um, you know, to, to be there for us to be, Hey, I'm going to spend this when you guys are reopening going again. It was again, super, super terrifying because I mean, we did get to the point where we ran out of money and, um, didn't, didn't know necessarily what we were going to do, but, uh, we focused on some online sales and people came to our rescue. They cared, they donated to us. They drank as much coffee as they possibly could. Really. It was, it was pretty exceptional to see how much people cared and we are so thankful. And so it got us through the really, really tough times. Um, and then, Jackson was fortunate enough to have kind of one of the busiest, well, the busiest summer we've ever seen. And then the busiest winter we've ever seen. So um, it's a little bit, we're, we're in a unique place relative to the other restaurants around the, around the country for sure. Indeed. And it was eye popping to see how busy we were last summer, and last this past winter. Yeah. And personally, I'm a bit nervous of how busy we're going to be this summer. Oh my God. I'm Um, terrified. Yeah. Not a bit. I'm terrified. I and and the busy. What I'm concerned about is are the people on the front lines of them breaking mm-hmm. because it's going to be so busy and there's so few people to work here. Totally. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm considering for the first time. I mean, we're open. I'm here for you know not just the I, the tourists but the community. You want your coffee seven days a week. We're going to be open seven days a week. I have never ever considered closing until this summer because I cannot. Um, unfortunately, it's not a unique problem to me, but I cannot find the staff. So we might have to close the cafes um, sort of staggered each maybe a day. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm sad to hear that you are having to consider that, but I also understand. From- yes from your perspective as a business owner as well, that you have to do what's right for you and your, your people for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just all about the people. I mean, it's not even June and we are tired a bit. It's been, we didn't really have an off season, um, which I think people are, get used to. Um, they work super hard waiting for that and it just didn't really come. So, which again is fantastic in certain regards, but at the same time, if we're tired and it's only June, you know, yeah, as employers, I think we have to make some adjustments and that's sort of where that that's what we've come to. So other than keeping, um, you know, 
investigating that day of needing to close, mm-hmm. how do you keep the morale going in, <laughs> in your group? I mean, you have 150 people who rely on you. Mm-hmm. Um, what are things that you guys do to keep it going and exciting? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's, you know, that's the challenge. Um, the day in day out enthusiasm for uh, customer service can be challenging, but it, you know, it starts from the top. So I'm a big fan of meetings and gatherings, um, whether it's just going to Pika's for a quick uh, pitcher of margaritas to connect or, you know, dinner for everybody outside Persephone. We're thinking of maybe next month doing a talent show, trying to keep things balanced is, is difficult, but it's what we, what we try to do, um, to understand that people live here for a reason. Um, typically the reason is not to work, not to not work, but not just to work, to enjoy the beautiful outdoors. So we try to, you know, if people want to work four day weeks, we think that's fantastic. Um, we, just try to encourage that work-life balance as much as we can. And, you know, keeping up the momentum, that's, that's a tough question. I mean, we, we call it angry August for a reason. You just, everybody sort of reaches the point and, and it, it can be challenging, but for the most part, I mean, I just have the most incredible team. They're like a family that supports each other and loves each other and hates each other sometimes too, but it really they keep each other going. Like I just, it's I'm, I'm amazed at who I have working for me. I appreciate what you just said. Like a family, sometimes we like each other and sometimes <laughs> we don't like each other. Yeah. But after it's all done, we get back to doing what we need. Yeah, to do. yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I hope to see more of that in, in community and in just culture that to remember it's just life. We can disagree <laughs> But then we can get back to being friends just because you disagree with somebody does not mean that you have to sever ties and delete them from your phone. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it's such a good point for everybody in the world these days. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And and then just throw in a baguette and a little bit of butter and life is good. (laughs) Exactly. Our little phrase is Jackson Hole happy. That's our hashtag because... You know, nothing brings happiness like a, a little bit of sugar and butter. <laughs> oh, how could you not enjoy some sugar and butter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and throw some caffeine in there and you exactly. get happy. happy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys have plenty of coffee. Yes. Plenty of caffeine. <laughs> yes. Going on over there. And, and I appreciate it. And you guys offer the locals line, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm sure the, I know that the locals appreciate how you think of them on the um, forward thinking of how you make decisions for your business. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. That was, you know, I totally get it. We work hard and we want to play hard. And there was that cyclical aspect of off seasons and taking a break. But I mean, when, you know, when we conceived of Persephone, it was like, Hey, no, you know, I know that we're going to be slow in April and, you know, maybe not turning a profit necessarily, but the people who come in every day that we love still want their coffee. So we're going to, we're going to still be here for them. And so that was a big deal for me that we didn't close down seasonally. I'm glad you haven't. And I think there's less business. Less of that. Oh, infinitely. So yes. That closed down. I know when I moved here in 99, there were a lot of businesses that closed down. And I remember working at Cowboy Steakhouse back then and come October 31st, it was shut down. And then Dead. the last day of the ski season, 
it was dead and it shut down. You didn't, yeah. they weren't open. There was, which no makes, you know, it makes sense for certain businesses for sure. Just for us, I felt like we're, we're, we're a daily business year round. So um, we decided not to do the closing thing as much as I would love a month off twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who doesn't want a month off? I know, year, exactly. Right? But yeah. that's the difference between being a business owner and being the yes. person who makes the, the lattes for sure. Precisely, precisely. Yeah, yeah. And so how do you, you have a, a daughter mm-hmm. and how do you find the balance between needing to take care of the business, which is a baby, but also finding time for the family life as well? Yeah, it's, that's been the hardest. I mean, that has been the biggest challenge, not opening the five businesses, but trying to figure out how to have a balance of, you know, previous to this, I just worked all day, every day, I'd go home and I would continue working. I loved it, you know, and I still do love it. But at the same time, I have a beautiful little three and a half year old who wants to go play on the trampoline and do things that I, you know, where I can't be emailing and, and on calls and things. So that has been my challenge for the last couple of years. And to be honest, I think it's been the best thing for me and for my company. And hopefully in the long term, the people that work for me, I mean, we talk, I talk about work-life balance. It was something we always, we always brought up from the start, but I wasn't living a, a balanced life in any way. I gave up pretty much everything. I, you know, I used to fish and mountain bike and do all the fun things. And, and I gave everything up for the business just because I didn't have time. And so now having a, a daughter, it's really forced me to say, Hey, I'm going to take the weekends and I'm going to be with my family and you as my general manager, who is amazing and willing to work seven days also needs to just take two days off, you know, to, to actually live it and to see how my quality of life has changed by valuing my personal time makes me realize how much I need to stress that enforce that and, and make it possible for all of my employees. Don't you wish you had done that? earlier on in the business. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh yes, absolutely. I'm so happy to hear that you have found that work-life balance Mm -hmm. and you do practice and preach um, to your staff to do the same because in America, we do put so much emphasis on work but mm-hmm. then we don't put enough emphasis on what is important outside of work. Mm-hmm. And we do spend a lot of time at work, but we also need to make sure that we're building families and building those yeah. memories are, are so important because that time is so limited. It's so limited and, and it goes by so quickly. Um, and that is for me, the most critical thing that I can do for, for my staff is to figure out how they too, you know, it took a kid for me to understand it and live it. And a lot of my employees are young, but how, how do I get them to also, you know, appreciate how much the balance contributes to a great, great working environment and, and the health of our company? Yeah. Well, well said, Allie. Thank you for, for saying that. Mm-hmm. I would like for you to share with us to wrap things up. How can people connect with you and find your business out there in the world wide web? What's the most direct way? The most direct way is persephonebakery.com. Yeah. So we sell directly from our website. Um, We sell to people across the country where we make these great little wooden gift boxes filled with all of our goodies to ship to family and friends. And 
it's a little bit of Jackson when you're not here. Um, so definitely check that out. And any final words of wisdom for people who are out there balancing that work life? Good question. Yeah. Um, just don't wait till tomorrow. I think that's what I did for too long. You know, don't, don't wait for it to be a kid or a reason that you cannot force yourself to work 20 hours a day, value just yourself and your time and, and what you need to have that balance and, and make a change right now. That's fabulous. And we, there was one other item that I wanted to make sure that we talked about because mm-hmm. you and Kevin are being very generous. This um, you're always very generous to the, to the community, but you're doing something special with it being your 10th anniversary as well. Yeah. Why don't you share with us, what that is. Yeah. So we're, we're so, I mean, I can't believe 10 years has gone by this quickly. And like I've said throughout this, you know, talk that, that it's thanks to the community, the, the locals here that have sustained us, have supported us through our hardest times that we felt the best way to celebrate 10 years was to give back to the community. And so we're going to do um, on Saturday, June 12th and Sunday, June 13th, um, 10% of all of our sales at all of our locations will be going back to um, the community uh, via the, the community foundation. And, you know, that's just our way of saying thank you for these amazing 10 years. And we look forward to another 10. Well, your generosity is much appreciated yes. and very valued. And being somebody who's been in the community for 22 years at this point, that's what we need. We need community. And the way we have a healthy community is through the generosity of you and Kevin and, and other people like yourself. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, I have so enjoyed getting together with you today, sharing some conversations and sharing some laughs with you and have fun with your daughter and enjoy running those five businesses and <laughs> making the difference in people's lives and enjoying your balance between work and life. And Mm -hmm. I so appreciate what you shared with us a few moments ago was don't wait until tomorrow. Yeah. Find that balance because we're going to all miss out, miss out on something. Totally. Yeah. Especially this summer as we head into the craziest summer that we we are all expecting to have happen. I think it's a good thing to be mindful of. Absolutely. Practice, (laughs) practicing some mindfulness, some gratitude and get out there in the mountains and enjoy some quiet time for sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome, Allie. Have a fabulous day. Appreciate your time. Congrats thank on you. your success. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks. Right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. To learn more about Allie and Persephone Bakery and Allie's other businesses, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 143. That's com. Thank you everybody who helps keep this podcast going. My wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, my editor and marketing director, Michael Morey, and all of you regular listeners and the new ones as well. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of The Jackson Hole Connection. What do you say, Lewis? <laughs>